think I should know this, Travion, but help me out with this one. Hammer to Fall, Queen. Okay. From the 1984 or 5 album, The Works. Yeah, unfortunately, this is one I'm not too familiar with, honestly. They performed it, I think it's the first song they did in their Live Aid set. Wildcat Insider continues. Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats. Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berkland is with us as well. 537-1350. Tack on a 785 in front of that. And give us a call. Give us your thoughts on the Cats. What do you think about the win on on Saturday against Texas Tech? What do you think about the game this Saturday against uh, Iowa State? Feel free to give us your input. 537-1350 is our number. K-State is 4-1 with a 2-0 record in Big 12 play. They're going to be taking on Iowa State in Ames, Iowa, Jack Trice Stadium, home of the brand-new pedestrian bridge that's like a quarter-mile long, half I don't know what it is. It's like a half-mile from the nearest parking lot to the stadium. That's how long it is or something. It's where they had their rich uh, fans park. So I was like, that's kind of a long way to have your rich fans with the RVs walk to the game, but at least they built them a bridge. So I'm sure a lot of K-State fans are looking forward to uh, to seeing that. But uh as uh, Wyatt and I continue to recap our thoughts on what took place against the uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders with that final score, 37-28, to and that is just what Adrian and Deuce have been able to do the last couple of games. That is, that's been gigantic. That is what has led K-State to a 2-0 start in Big 12 play. But this last performance, together as a group, was more impressive. I mean, offensively, as it, I mean, K-State, even though they gave up a bunch of passing yards, I mean, the Wildcats still had 7.9 yards per play. Texas Tech, 5.8 yards per play. They gave, K-State gave up a bunch of yards through the air. But K-State was able to, to balance that out, cancel it out, and be more successful with what I thought was with the running game, with the quarterback run game. Um some power run. Deuce Vaughn cutting up some Texas Tech ankles to gain some massive yards. Both of them had a, the longest run of 69 yards. The only little big difference here is Adrian had one more yard than Deuce on Saturday. And, well, let's be honest, 9 a.m. is hogging all the touchdowns. Hashtag my boy Deuce Vaughn has not scored in three games, Adrian. Three games. <laughs> You're stealing all the Heisman buzz because, and I don't know if you saw, but Adrian Martinez now, according I saw it on FanDuel, I think it's plus 1,800 or something like that. Again, I'm not too familiar with how it all works, but uh, Adrian Martinez now has the, 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 the best Heisman odds like to win the Heisman Trophy in the Big 12. Interesting. He has passed Jalen yeah. Daniels. I'm a little surprised and taken aback by that because uh, so many people around the country – uh, talk so much about Bijan Robinson. Uh, I would assume that he would have had better odds than virtually anybody else, but well, clearly that's not the case. Let's take a look at some stats here. Let me let me pull this up real quick. Okay, okay. so rushing in the Big Twelve, Deuce Vaughn is number one. Mm-hmm. He averages one twenty seven point six. Bijan Robinson is second in the Big Twelve, averaging one oh three. Now Bijan has scored five more touchdowns rushing than Deuce Vaughn. And Adrian Martinez is fourth in the Big 12, averaging 93.8 yards per game. Fourth in the Big 12. Kendry Miller is third 
and he beats Adrian by about three yards a game. So uh, those numbers are based on what they're averaging per game, not total rushing yards. Right. Now, I'm trying to see where the nearest quarterback is, if you don't mind. I'm going to. Okay, so Jalen Daniels is second best as quarterback in the Big 12 in rushing yards per game at. He's 11th in the co- in the conference overall, 65.8. Yeah, which yards is pretty good. Game. That is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But not as good as Adrian Martinez. No. <laughs> now, but the, the the reason I bring that up is because it, it it brings me to my point here. And then as I started looking at the numbers nationally, and I'm not the only one. Shout out to Cole Manbeck who kind of beat me to the punch here, but so I'm going to steal a couple of his his nuggets here. He won't care. You no. just said his I mean, name. He's fine. We should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Three Mom Podcast. I'll give him a little plug there. But uh, he's he also does Power K Game Day with me on Saturdays, along with Derek Young, who's also part of the Three Mom Podcast. But K-State has the best rushing duo in the country. They do. Now, the evidence I use to, to, to back this up is that K-State has two rushers, and I'm talking individually throughout the country, talking about FBS football, has two rushers – in the top 22 in the country. Deuce Vaughn is third in rushing yards in the in the, in the country. He's behind, uh, Le, I forget his first name, but LeBourne of Marshall, who's in second place. But he's also carried the ball 22 more times than Deuce has this year. And then Chase Brown, which does not shock me. He's an extremely good running back from Illinois, uh, who has ran the ball 10 more times than Deuce and has a little less than 100 yards more than Deuce Vaughn. But Deuce is third in the country, and Adrian Martinez is 22nd in the country. And then if you look at rushing yards per game, and I'm talking team-wise compared to everybody in the rest of the country, K-State is number one when it comes to Power 5 teams. They average 267 yards per game. TCU is second in the Big 12, and they're 14 yards behind, but Nobody has a punch when it comes to a duo like K-State does, Adrian Martinez, and Deuce Vaughn, and it's never been better than what we've seen the last two games. It has been absolutely on another level, and I love the split we had in this game against against Texas Tech, where Adrian has 171 and Deuce has 170. They both had a run of 69 yards. That's right. I mean, just an incredible balance there, where they're both breaking out some huge plays. Yeah. That is extremely entertaining to watch them both just do their thing, and do it at such a high level right now. Well... Let's just throw out a couple of more numbers here. Deuce is averaging 5.8 yards per carry. Adrian is averaging 6.5. And together, through five games, again, together, mm-hmm. 1,107 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. That's rel- relatively significant. It is. <laughs> and for those of you who wondered about Adrian, this, this was actually um, um, put out here Saturday night. Adrian, just the one of three Power 5 quarterbacks over the last 15 seasons with 300 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns in a two-game span. The other guys, did you see this? Mm-mm. Lamar Jackson of Louisville in 2016, Cam Newton of Auburn in 2010. That's pretty elite company. Oh, that put a big smile on my face when you yeah. bring up those two names because you're talking about... Because uh, didn't Lamar Jackson didn't he win? No, he didn't win the Heisman. 
No, Cam he did. did, right? But Cam did. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure he did, yeah. 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 But, I mean, Lamar Jackson, and when he was doing his thing at Louisville, I mean, talking about stealing everybody's attention because oh, sure. of his – just because his athletic ability, he was known as the running quarterback in the country at that time, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But those, back to the original point, those those two guys have, have really – especially in the last two games, but um, – you know, it, it's we've just seen a different Adrian Martinez, and that's I think why mm-hmm. everybody is so excited. Um, we mentioned last hour that K State started fast, probably kind of finished fast in the game Saturday. There were some lulls in between a little bit, but they survived that. But I go back to what you talked about a moment ago. When you're averaging two hundred and six, almost two hundred and seventy yards a game rushing, um, whether it's Power Five, Group of Five, Junior High, whatever it might be, that's that's pretty good work. It is, and yes, it wasn't as balanced as it was against Oklahoma, but I, I just I don't like seeing the lull like we had from the second quarter to the third quarter. Sure. When when you when you're capable of what he did first of all against Oklahoma, and you already were off to a good start, it just didn't make sense to me. It just didn't, and I, you know I don't know what the strategy was or what the game plan was, but you know at the time you needed a little bit of a buzz. You go right back. I mean, the first play you go right back to the to the uh, quarterback run game, and it's a 69-yard touchdown. I mean, there's so much proof there that that is where the electric plays, are, the big plays are coming from, the running game with Deuce and, and Adrian Martinez. There have been a lot of long runs uh, for this team, certainly. I mean, you've, you've got a Malik Knowles in there, and, and again, he doesn't – the small sample size with one attempt, but it was a 75-yard run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. DJ Giddens with a 28-yard run, and then 69 for Deuce and Adrian. So – there, there is, you know, a formula there for some shock plays, and that's. Uh, I remember this vividly in in interviewing Coach Kleiman for pregame prior to Oklahoma, asking him about some keys, and he he said we have to have some some plays that are you know shock type plays, um, and and they did that, and and then for the most part continued that into the Texas Tech game, and hopefully we'll see you know a few of those uh, Saturday night at Ames Iowa too cuz they'll be yeah. they'll be uh, pumped up for that one you can count on it yeah i mean a night game at Jack Trice Stadium for oh, Armageddon. Yeah. i mean it's going to be a great environment shame on ESPN for putting it on ESPNU but uh, i know Iowa State's going to wear the blackout uniforms and i it, i i said earlier and i want to save this of course for later on in the show we're about to talk to Gene Taylor here very shortly but it's going to be a tough team to run against. Sure. It really will. Like yeah. If Casey can pull off an impressive performance, I mean, that, that'll be uh, that'll be gigantic in a game like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and back to the thought of just the best duo in, in, the, in the country, um, they have been recognized nationally for what has – Adrian Martinez twice now by the Big 12 has been recognized for his running ability by the Big 12 nationally uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mean, getting recognized for the win against Oklahoma. And, I mean, Pro Football Focus has just this today said Adrian Martinez has been, has, was graded out as the best quarterback in the country this, this week. Wow. This last, uh, this last Saturday. Hadn't heard that one yet. Yeah. I think he was ahead by the nearest quarterback, whoever it is, for North Carolina by like two points. Wow. So, I mean, there you go. <clears throat> it's pretty I mean, impressive. There's yeah, no doubt it about it. Very impressive. And I love the consistency from one game to another in conference play. Two big wins, and Adrian just tearing it up on the ground along with Deuce Fawn. All right, when we come back, we'll talk with the athletic director of K-State, Gene Taylor, next.
Cousin Marvin Barry. Welcome back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Berkland. We're now joined by K-State Athletic Director Gene Taylor here on Wildcat Insider. Gene, thank you so much for your time. Well, the last couple of uh, games have been quite fun to watch at field level, I'm guessing. Yeah, they have. Uh, been fun to you know, see us respond to a really, you know, a difficult loss to Tulane and, um, you know, see some, uh, even last game, obviously they went up early, got down or got tied and then responded. You know, I think uh, Coach Kleiman talked about, you know, the halftime was not the most comfortable halftime, but uh, they responded. So it's been, it's been fun to see. Now, I, 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 I didn't hear all the details from this past press conference where you were talking to uh, just kind of chit-chatting with the media, but um, we had all seen the video of when Adrian Martinez had that long run and that yell leader got in his face. Did the yell leader also get in, like, have a problem with you at one point? <laughs> yeah, it was late. After, after Adrian had made that run, I didn't see that. Uh, I had gone down just to see or down in distance as we got close to the goal line because the coaches couldn't see. We three yards away, three yards away, and so I'd been getting, and their sidelines were so tight, and they have so many people on their sidelines. Well, that particular area happens to be the yell leaders and the cheerleaders, and I was standing there um, like I do in any stadium, and this young man decided that he wanted to tell me I needed to get out of their space, and I didn't belong there, and told me in those uncertain terms, and I turned around and explained to him that I did belong there, and very, you know, showed him my all-access pass and told him I'm not going anywhere. And then eventually one of their other cheerleaders grabbed him and said, hey, you might want to keep it down a little bit. So, <laughs> Good Lord. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a little bit more of an emotional exchange at that point because I was doing the big run and I was fired up. And so, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> quite that close, to be honest with you. It's really been amazing in the last couple of weeks, too. We were talking a, a little while ago, Gene, about the the work in combination with Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. It, I think it's it's turned on this fan base even to a different level of excitement, don't you think? Yeah, it has. You know, I, I think you know, you see um, Adrian that we thought we would see uh, the last couple of games for sure uh, in terms of his ability to you know make plays with his feet and and his arm and then of course deuce that opens up things for deuce and um so yeah i mean i think our fan base wanted to they were hopeful to see a lot of uh, offensive output and and they've been able to do that and and colin has been calling some good games uh, here lately now, with the win over Oklahoma, K-State was named the uh, Cheez-It Bowl National Team of the Week. I, I remember seeing a picture of King Felix of with like a bunch of boxes of Cheez-Its around him, but I'm sure you know the story better than us. It, was there really a bunch of Cheez-It boxes and <laughs> Cheez-Its in general delivered to Veneer? Yeah, apparently. I actually didn't see it. I, somebody told me about it. I mean, I saw the tweet with him uh, surrounded, but apparently the company called the local one of the local grocery stores and both of them bought as many boxes of cheeses as they could get and okay. had it delivered. So <laughs> it was pretty interesting. What what about the fan response in total to the to the four home games to this point and, and with a pretty legitimate chance to to maybe sell out the season? What's that saying to Gene Taylor about what's possible at Kansas State football? Well, I just it confirms the uh, the passionate fan base that we have and how much they care and you know they want us to be successful and 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 they enjoy um 
us being successful. Obviously, they they loved K State being being good at football, being good at all sports, really. But they invest their time and effort. You know, you got to, as we all know, they don't just come from Manhattan. They're coming from all over the state um, and committing. You know, I actually drove to Topeka Saturday after our game to watch my son at Washburn, and the line of cars leaving Manhattan headed heading that direction was amazing. And uh, so it just it just kind of reconfirms again that how passionate our fans are and how much they care. And um, it, you're right, White. I think we have a good chance of um, you know if we can continue playing like we have to finish the rest of the season off filled out. And the crowd seemed really strong throughout the game against Texas Tech. And I not only have I loved seeing the response from fans like on social media after the game and about how fun it's been to watch Adrian Martinez, Deuce Vaughn at defense, get six sacks in the game. But there was also a very positive response to the Spanish broadcast uh, that was put together for this game. And it was announced very recently that K-State Athletics has teamed up with Tico Sports out of Kansas City to bring a Spanish broadcast at three games this year. And uh, looking at the response, K-State fans loved uh, what they heard from just a, a freshman at K-State uh, do, his, do his thing with, with the Spanish broadcast. But I know it's just for three games right now. Is there a possibility that that could be become a more permanent thing? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the goal. Um, you know, we just got to talking about it with Learfield, our, our, our partner, uh, MMR partner. And I thought it was something that was, was something I've wanted to do for a while. I think we, we do have, obviously, as we, we, you know, celebrate Spanish um, Heritage Week and Latinos and the folks on campus and then obviously out in western Kansas um, of the population of Latinos out there. And it's just something that I was glad we were able to put together. Uh, obviously, some other schools had. I happened to be, walk up to the booth and, introduced myself to the broadcast team and you're right there was a young uh, student in there and uh, there's also a young student producer uh, so I think they had a great time and I hope we can turn it into uh, I think we're definitely going to do three and we may do four this year and hopefully we can become more of a permanent deal. Gene Taylor is our guest K-State's athletic director. Gene l- let's talk briefly about uh, name image likeness and those kind of things that it's so prevalent right now in, in uh, major college athletics uh, kind of give us a sense of where that sets right now from from the K State perspective. Uh, I know there's a lot of <clears throat> people that want to be involved with the the collectives and that kind of thing. Where where are you today with that? That's interesting. Um, like yes, I'm actually out in Nashville right now. So it's, it's a group called CALS, it's College Athletic Leadership Summit, and it's really for younger administrators that you know aspire to be an AD. And we've done multiple panels throughout the day of of, of current sitting ads, and we you know just give our opinions on on certain pro, uh, you know issues in college athletics, and of course that's one of the major ones. And you know it's all over the board uh, nationally. Some are good, some are bad. Um, we are, I think, doing very well. Um, it has not been a roadblock, to my understanding, in terms of recruiting, because we have been able to point to some of the folks on our, our silver athletes that have nil deals, Deuce and and. Aoki and, and Felix and others that are uh, doing pretty well. We have a couple of collectives that we can direct them to uh, to help them, and some are being um, one of those collectives actually are kind of more broad based in terms of trying to get as many athletes opportunities. We just uh, signed a deal with um, one of our, collect- our, uh, our, our NIL groups that, that you can go on their website, um, Open Doors, 
and any athlete listed and there's opportunities to do individual things with athletes where you might um, sign Felix to have a voicemail message for a birthday and and so that's kind of a new thing that we just started so I think we're doing well. We need to, you know, we need to do it the right way and continue to do it the right way. But we also, uh, I think our, our donors are interested in trying to become a part of it. And, and so far, it's working pretty well. Gene Taylor's, I guess that reminds me, I need to uh, get Deuce Vaughn booked for my birthday party if he's willing to do so. That's not until <laughs> August. <laughs> not until August, but I think that's plenty ahead of time that uh, he, he won't be booked up by uh, August 15th. He can come uh, hang out with us and... Uh, Man, I tell you what, I have a lot more friends if Deuce Vaughn's hanging out with me. I'll tell you what. There you go. Um, so another thing I want to bring up about football was the kickoff time with ESPN Plus. I was wondering if you could explain just kind of the process of when it's a home game and ESPN Plus is a broadcast. When it comes to picking out the kickoff time and how that works. Yeah, I've got a couple emails about it. Obviously, eleven o'clock is hard. Like I just mentioned, you know, our, our fans are coming from you know, all over the state, but. You know, the first game we chose six o'clock, uh, a because it's obviously a little warmer, and and we've always kind of typically had a night game. If it, again, if it's in, uh, ESPN Plus, uh, but you're right, it is our decision uh, in terms of athletics. So TV doesn't set the time for our ESPN Plus games. The second game we went with two thirty, and so this one, you know, and, and Chris had some input, but you know, he's pretty been pretty easy about letting us the time that we think is important but this one i said chris what time would you like to play and he actually did some research and realized that it's 11 o'clock kick we played pretty well and we've had a pretty good record and because we hadn't had an 11 o'clock kick um for them and they were coming off the you know the seven o'clock late kick in oklahoma i said it's your call chris what time do you want to go you know i think it will be cautious of that not that i don't i don't think we'll have any more espn plus games but, you know, if we don't have to do an 11 o'clock game, it's probably better for our fans to look at a, at a 2.30 start in the future. Now, this next question, I, I've had this brought up to me a handful of times over the last year. I got a couple of messages on Twitter about it when we were playing Mizzou uh, not too long ago, and that is with the return game in 2023. It had put, been put out there that Mizzou was trying to find – another game at Arrowhead Stadium to replace one that was supposed to be played against Arkansas in 2020. What, has there ever been a chance, or is there still maybe on the table of a chance to that game's going to be moved to Arrowhead Stadium? Well, you know, it's obviously their call because it's, it's their game. I had heard that, too, and I know that Kansas City, um, they, they had wanted to get either us or somebody as a, as a game, and, and certainly, you know, if they wanted to move it there, it'd be fine with us. Uh, you know, but I don't know that they will. Um, but it, it is something that I did hear that they were considering, but I don't know that they moved moved that direction very seriously at this point. Okay, well, fair enough. Well, that's about all we got for you, Gene. I guess uh, Ames is next. Are you looking forward to seeing that brand-new pedestrian bridge all lit up at night at Jack Trice Stadium? Yeah, I can't wait. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I it's uh, I didn't I seem to – is it really up? Is it done? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know it was done. Yeah, it is done. Okay, well. I'll, I'll I'll walk over it then, um, <laughs> but you know we haven't we haven't been real successful in Ames, and uh, I think I think we need to get up there and, and play well because um, we need to get a we need to keep this win and go in the right direction. Yep, absolutely, Gene Taylor. Thank you so much for your time. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks. That was good to talk to you. Appreciate it, bud.
That's Casey Athletic Director Gene Taylor here on uh, Wildcat Insider, who's currently in Nashville, Tennessee. I doubt this is a, you know this is a business trip. Not too much time to head over to Broadway and uh, go check out some live acts. Oh, maybe there's some time. I don't know. Well, you never know. There's always probably a little bit, but never as much as you think, right? When you're doing what he's doing. <laughs> right. You're a big country music guy, right? Uh, I am. Have you ever been to Nashville? Oh yeah, I've been to Nashville. Um, Have uh, you been to the Grand Ole Opry? Uh, no. And I want to do that. Put that's it on your bucket on, list. That's kind of on my bucket list. I love the Ryman Auditorium. I want to do that. I've, um, I, I, I went to a Grand Ole Opry at the Ryman. Okay. Uh, that was about three or four years ago. Okay. And uh, I'm not a country music guy. I had a great time. I'll bet. It was awesome. For, I, first yeah. of all, I know how important that venue is, the music and country music. Sure. But also, uh, you know, just a wide range of acts. That were there, yeah. some older, some newer, yes. you know, nineties. It, it was a great mix. That's a good the time. Nashville music scene. That's what you get. Well, plus, and it's also yeah. it, you know kind of hit home to me because it was a radio broadcast. Okay, and so there's like a live. I don't necessarily call him a jock, but he's just kind of the transition guy. That'd be like okay. a, Gretel, a great voice. Grendel Opry brought to you by Dollar General or something uh-huh. like that, and yeah. uh, kind of take us in and out of break. <laughs> it was a it was it was really neat experience. That's I'm sure I want I want to do that too. Well, when we come back, uh, we'll take a look at the Iowa State Cyclones next on Wildcat Insider. We continue with Wildcat Insider Mitch Fortner with Wyatt Thompson. Let's take a look at the Iowa State Cyclones. They kick off against K-State. 20th ranked team in the country is K-State now. Iowa State unranked with a record of 3-2, 0-2 in the conference. K-State 4-1, 2-0 in Big 12 play. But they head up to Jack Trice Stadium to not only check out, be a tourist, and check out the new pedestrian bridge, but also play a game inside of Jack Trice Stadium. Um, I, I'm just going to start out with what stands out to me and that's the defense of Iowa State. I've mentioned it multiple times in the show today about how Iowa State, passing, rushing, efficiency, total, scoring defense, they are number one in the Big 12 across the board as a team. So if that tells you they're going to be kind of tough, yeah, they're going to be kind of tough. Well, their defense has, in essence, seven returning starters from a pretty darn good defense from a year ago. And for my money, it's, it all starts with Will McDonald up front, who plays their Leo position at defensive end. I, I think he's a lot like Felix Anudike Uzama. Big body, big motor guy, very active, really strong, can really run, 6'3", 240-ish, heck of a football player. I, I think it starts there. Isaiah Lee in the middle at the, at the nose guard position is a good player. Uh, I, I think they have a couple of veteran linebackers that I mean, <laughs> let's say let's say in, in Gary Vaughn and Orion Vance, um, you're looking at 37 career starts for Vance, which is a heck of a lot. And for Vaughn, um, I'm not sure he has anything close to that, but he has been around a while. And then Anthony Johnson, their free safety is a good player. They're just pretty pretty rock solid that way. Just a good defense. When you bring up Will McDonald, I think sacks. Oh, for because sure. I think he was he tied with Felix last year. I think really close. Either tied yeah. or maybe he had a half sack more or something like that, or you know, give or take a sack or a sack and a or, or a half sack. You know, yeah. what is very very close. Yeah. 
But maybe that is the one thing that they haven't done as well defensively, and that's the pass rush. Uh, Because right now, uh, Iowa State is last in the Big 12 in sacks. They are last. They only have eight. And, uh, I mean, divide that by five. That's less than two a game. Oh, sure. Yeah, and I, I would I would pretty much assure you, much like Felix, <laughs> that Will McDonald is on a lot of scouting reports. They're they're gonna they're gonna do everything they can to to keep him at bay, and and certainly easier said than done. But they, they've just been good against the run, good good overall, but really really neutralizing people in the run game. I mean, to give you kind of a idea where I you know I thought K State has done a pretty good job in the run defense category. I mean, Iowa State is only allowing 83 yards a game Mm -hmm. on the ground. That's 2.9 yards a carry. K-State has allowed 143 a game, and that's eighth in the Big 12. That's honestly, with everybody else in the Big 12, yes, of course, that doesn't sound that great. But Iowa State, I mean, is well ahead of just second place. Baylor, who's, you know, they're giving up 15 less yards a game on the ground than – the Baylor Bears, who's in second. So, so your point is good. If if K State is giving up 144 rushing yards in late November, I'm taking it. Yeah, I'm taking. Yeah, it. I mean, again, yeah. like compared to the rest of the conference, I mean, what yeah. I'm he- seeing is the Big Twelve is really good at, at not giving up a ton of rushing yards. I mean, yeah. Texas Tech did uh, did give up a ton, of course, to K State. I don't have the sheet in front of me. I can't give you the exact number, but um, Texas Tech has given up statistically right now five more yards a game than K-State yeah they just had a really bad game but I mean against Texas they weren't too bad but really it's uh it'll be a tough battle I mean who who's the defense can make the more stops than the other will it be a low scoring game uh I mean I haven't been the most impressed with Iowa State's offense it's not too bad I mean Hunter Deckers is what third in the Big 12 right now in passing yards but he's seventh in efficiency I thought he threw some he wasn't horrible, but he did throw some pretty bad balls against KU. I mean, it's passes you should not be throwing. You should know better as a quarterback to throw a couple of those passes. Well, I mean, dangerous. I, I will say this in defense of Hunter Deckers. It makes it more difficult to put up quality passing numbers when you're not really very efficient at running the ball, which is their issue right now. So there is more to that than, than meets the eye. But yet his numbers are, generally speaking, okay. I don't know if I'm being perfectly honest. I would tell you that he's probably he's not been as accurate on all of his throws as they would probably like him to be. And yet he still chucks it around, you know, at a pretty good rate. And they, it's a really interesting group of receivers because it's pretty much dominated by the big three: the the, the University of Colorado transfer. Uh, Dimitri Stanley, and then the the obvious guys are Jalen Knowles from the Kansas City area and Xavier Hutchinson. They targeted him 19 times mm-hmm. in the KU game, and he had 13 catches for 101 yards. So they he's got 49 receptions in five games. So they go to him a lot, um, and, and they have a veteran offensive line that's protecting Deckers probably better than their run blocking. So I just think on a lot of levels, it's a very interesting game. They've, they've. I think K State has been. If you go back and look at the preseason prognostications, I think most people would say that, you know, they didn't expect necessarily for K State to be two and zero in the league race at this point, but they also didn't expect Iowa State to be zero and two. But that's where they sit. But it's also fair to say about Hunter Decker's like he's not really a threat with his feet. He's not really a runner. I mean, well, I think he'd be like Donovan Smith. He can do it a little bit. It's probably not his forte. 
Fair. Yeah, he, he would much rather throw it than run it, I think. He just watching the game against KU, that's really yeah. the only Iowa State football I've, I've I don't watched. Think he, as an example, if, if you compare him to Brock Purdy, he's, he's not that. You know, Brock could, could get so he could hurt you when, when the play is extended and everybody is out in coverage and the, all the receivers are 15, 20 yards downfield. He's going to go hurt you there. I don't know that Deckers would hurt you as bad in that scenario. Makes sense? Yeah, it just it seems to me though with like he's not the strongest scrambler and again, maybe this is just isn't enough of a sample size to get the true Hunter Deckers, but he doesn't have the sixth sense like Adrian Martinez has. Oh. He knows when pressure's behind him. Sure. He knows when to step up in the pocket, move left, move right. He know he has an idea where the pressure is. Hunter just didn't seem that mobile. Um, and didn't just he didn't just seem to have that that sixth sense like Adrian has of knowing where the pressure is and yeah. when to start scrambling. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 more than fair. Um, and again, experience is a lot of that. Sure. But, but athleticism, God given abilities, a little bit of that too, or or a lot of that. And and it's obvious Adrian is is not only a guy who can really run, but he has you know good quickness with with that speed. Decker's is a little bit more, you know kind of move the pocket a little bit, but not a whole lot. He'll step up and, and those kind of things. But as, as, you know, trying to get wide or, you know, doing spectacular things, not not necessarily his game. Quarterback rating of 57.2, and that's uh, that's 68th in the country. All right, we got a few more moments left. Let's go ahead and just roll on and, and take a look at what the Big 12 has to offer um, this Saturday. Now, Baylor and um, – Oh, oh, West Virginia. Baylor and West Virginia, who will play a week from Thursday, will not play Saturday. And so we have eight teams in action. Of course, K-State and Iowa State will kick at 6.30. It's televised on ESPNU, but I highly suggest listening to oh, Wyatt, Stan, Matt, call the game right here on News Radio KMAN with the network taking over at 4.30. Power K game days at 2.30 in the afternoon. Uh, but top 20 matchup and college game day is going to be there in Lawrence for uh, number 17 TCU number 19 Kansas right now uh the uh, Vegas has TCU as a seven point favorite does that surprise you I thought they, a, a little bit yeah a little bit I you know seven seems like quite a bit for being on the road and with with two undefeated teams but again I've said this before I'm not trying to be funny but uh, those people that set those odds kind of know yeah. what they're doing and they're pretty good at it so Okay, let's see if it plays out that way. <laughs> I mean, if I was betting on this, I don't know. I I, I don't think TCU in any way is going to wax case uh, KU. A um, little bit of a different environment than they had against Oklahoma, um, but uh, I, I I would pick TCU to win this game. I really would. I they were so impressive against Oklahoma. Meanwhile, I, eleven points by or yeah, eleven points by Iowa State against Kansas defense. I. Man, what a letdown that is for Iowa State. That that's a very extremely low number. That that should have it never should have been that low of points. They should have been much better offensively. Even though Drill Brock, the running back, got hurt, um, you know, it, I mean, I guess it could it could get ugly. I, I but I don't think it I don't think it goes that way. I I just don't. Uh, but I would pick TCU to win that ball game. I mean, Max Duggan was just nails. He's been against good. Oklahoma. He's been good, really. Since and, and again, he lost the quarterback battle in camp, uh, and then Morris got hurt in the first mm-hmm. game. And he's, you know, he's taken over and has been really good. 
He's been accurate with the throws. He has run the ball. He has enough experience that he can lead. They've got enough people around him. Um, I think it, it's it's really hard sometimes to judge what a team is going to be um, just just because college football now is so different than it once was. And I think they had a lot of add-on guys that have helped them in, in terms of depth. But KU has too. I, mean, I mentioned this in an, in an interview um, earlier today too. I was looking, and this is not so much towards TCU because I don't have their stuff in front of me, but mm-hmm. I, I do have a, a KU chart in front of me. And, and on, on their depth chart, okay, this is, this is ads from this past season out of the portal. Minnesota, Nebraska, Minnesota, Texas Tech, Miami of Ohio, Buffalo, Ohio State, Buffalo, Central Florida, Louisiana, Michigan State, Purdue, uh, Central Mi- Eastern Michigan, rather, and Utah State. That's a lot of add-ons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of those guys are listed as either a starter or probably about two-thirds of them are backups. And TCU has done that as the, as the point of the story. And so it's hard to equate how they're going to be when you're starting to project out. That's why we play the games, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. and to your point about Max Duggan yeah. being so good, and yeah. I mean, TCU's offense is averaging 550 yards a game. That's right. I mean, that that's yeah. going to be much different. I, I, I mentioned Iowa State. I mean, Iowa State does not put up much yard. They're like 350, 375, somewhere in that area per game. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But, I mean, TCU is much better offensively than, than Iowa State. I mean, this is – KU's going to give up some points. They really are. Can KU get Jalen Daniels going again? Can they get running the football, passing the football? Can they get that going again? Because it was not very good against Iowa State. I mean, that's that's really the question for me. I'm not picking – I'm picking TCU to win this game. I'm picking them to cover seven points because of how good they've been with big plays and scoring the football. Really? Well, I'm sure that there will be a lot of people that will pick TCU. It's still a little bit hard for many to say, okay, KU's legit, you know. And I'm not, I'm not bagging on anybody. I'm just saying, you know, it's been a while since KU has been like this, and they have been competitive in all of their games. I think they'll be competitive in this one. But like you, I'm going to favor TCU. I'm not enough – convinced that I would put a lot of and I'm not a better but if I were I I don't know that I'd put a lot of money on this game either way but that's probably why I'm not a better too man KU (laughs) fans are going to be so upset when Lee Corso puts that horn frog head on you think the booth is going to be up in arms they're going to be start they're going to start turning over porta potties and it's gonna be real messy so how do you see Texas and Oklahoma I'm just Texas 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 yeah, Oklahoma starts 0-3. Um, yeah, I know Texas is they, – they, yeah, they've lost they've lost two games. Um, but, man, I just – if if Oklahoma doesn't have Dylan Gabriel and well, you know, Texas, Texas could potentially get Quinn Ewers back for this one. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Oklahoma, I just don't see it. I really don't. Losing Dylan Gabriel, that was a – I mean, of course, a completely unnecessary hit. Ugly, should never have happened. But right now it is what it is. And Dylan Gabriel might not play. I don't I'm not sure what the status is. That's that's a gigantic loss. I mean oh. that, that you can't you can't replace that. Very difficult loss. And and I, I don't know what his situation is. We'll probably know by midweek if he even has a shot. But he took a big belt. 
and and that was ugly. You're right. Pokes beat Texas Tech. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, they're they just to me they're the most well balanced team right now in the league. We'll, we'll see if they're that when we get to the end of November. But right now, winning at Baylor for me for them that was a big get. That was that was a heck of a win. It's gonna do it for Wildcat Insider for Travion White. I'm Mitch. See ya.